On Sex Positive Me, we explore all aspects of sex and relationships, ranging from fetishes and BDSM to ethical non-monogamy and LGBTQ issues. Sex Positive Me destigmatizes sexual practices and relationships while reconciling reality with myth and misconceptions. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and be advocates of sexual freedom. And now here's your hosts, Angelique and John Luna. Hey everybody, it's Angelique Luna, and I'm here with my co-host, troublemaker, God, he's still alive in quarantine, Jazzy Luna. Barely. <laughs> I thought you were going to kill me when the, when the next package came in from, uh, from UPS. Or uh, uh, we have more coconut rope, and we know how much you love coconut rope. Why, Midori? Why? That's all I mean you know, to it say. Takes a, it takes a lot for me to say something that gets you quiet, so i got to remember that now. <laughs> So let's go to our guest, who has been a endearing, fabulous uh, friend, colleague in the sex education field. We've known her for many years, and now she finally birthed the child we've been waiting for, her book, Read Me, the Parental Primer for the Talk. Miss Lene St. John, how are you? Hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Well, you know, we're on Zoom, and due to yeah. COVID technicality, we're not showing the video portion, but it's all audio. But yeah. Well, I was just watching something about how uh, makeup sales have gone down. That oh, wow. Going less and less and less because we're not going out. Yeah. So, and someone said, yeah, well, what's next? Sense. And I said, pant sales. Because really, you don't need them if you're on Zoom. I, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing sweatpants. Well, you know, we have, we have to laugh because we're in Florida, you're in California, and Florida always has the weirdest of weird stories. We had a judge in South Florida yell and scream at lawyers and other um, people. They were, doing court online. they were doing court online, but they weren't wearing pants. Or weren't wearing clothes. Like someone was actually in the bathroom <laughs> doing their presentation in the nude. And we're like, no, yes. seriously? Only That's in Florida. Hilarious. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> it's if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in Florida. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's pretty bad when our local station has a game show saying, did it happen in Florida or not? <laughs> Oh, seriously? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, okay. yes. There you go. So I'm wondering if some of the topics in the book would happen in Florida. They're here. Because like, I noticed there was like a lot of personal stories and adventures yeah. in there and relating yeah. to the stories. And tell us about it. How, why did you do it in that format? Yeah. So when I sat down to write the book, it was originally going to be a blog post. <laughs> That's a very long blog post. <laughs> right? So originally it was going to be, I think it's the last two, or it's toward the back, the, the two chapters that talk about the five reasons parents don't talk to their kids and you know the, the tips that can help them make it easy. And I started to write this post, and back then Charlie Glickman was my editor. And it just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And I had also come up with the idea of those five building blocks. And so I, I sat down with, a, with an editor 
um, I'd put together all the pieces of, of writing that I had put, had been working on, put them all into one document and I shared it with an editor and they said, there's actually, there's some meat to this. So she did kind of an Edward Scissorhands to my book, <laughs> like put it all, like put it all back together in a completely different format. And, and it was, it was like magic it ended up how it is now. And, um, putting in those personal stories. Well, the reason why I did that is I felt like if you could give people examples of how it worked in real life, it would take it from being this theoretical, oh, pie in the sky, I don't really know how this works in application, to something really tangible. And so, um, you know, and also back then, the kids were really young. Um, Now they're 16 and just about ready to turn 18. And, you know, I don't, now I ask for their permission for some of the stories that I, you know, that I talk about with them. And, and um, there've been a couple that have been really, really, really big that I haven't yet written about. Um, but I have gotten permission to tell, so I could share them here if we wanted. Um, but well, your um, girls are on another level of like, sex positivity and using, you know, consent left and right. Cause I remember yeah. you told a story last time about th- them throwing the consent flag. It's like, you didn't have consent. Yet. I was like, uh-huh. Oh my God, that's no hysterical. Consent. Yeah. 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 It, it happens less often now, but, uh, cause I think their boundaries are better. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it used to be very often that I would have one kid yelling, no consent as like, almost like uncle, you know, how some people yeah. use <laughs> uncle, like, throw out the no consent and everything stops. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So putting in those personal stories, um, it felt like it could help people, um, with yeah, how it would apply to them or, or potentially apply to them too. Now, what surprised me was when you put in the book that some people are going to feel uncomfortable reading this and I'm like, say what? Yeah. (laughs) Why would they feel uncomfortable? Yeah, I actually, um, I've had some really interesting reviews. I mean, not interesting bad, but interesting good. One recently posted on Goodreads, and it was a young woman who doesn't have kids yet herself, um, thought it was just going to be, you know, an easy read, but got really disappointed right away by the fact that she had to process some stuff. (laughs) But she was like, I was really glad to, you know, to keep with it, basically. So, but yeah, it it brings up stuff for people. And I had a podcast interview, um, I think it was last week, where the author or the, the, the podcast host said the same thing. Like she was pushing up against some really challenging things that she wasn't sure she agreed with at first. And then she just, she kept reading and she said, I could tell I was learning something because I would catch myself really thinking about, you know, why do I think this way? You know, why do, and for me, you know, it's, I'm in another group where we talk about the curse of knowledge and you guys probably experience this now too, right? You've been doing this work for a while Mm -hmm. and you almost forget what it was like to be in that space of not knowing and not understanding. And, and yeah, it, it, it trips me up today, even when I try to, you know, write things and like, okay, I really need to bring this back to, you know, make it about them that, they understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah. 
Yeah. Simplifying <laughs> it. Yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, I I'm like in this business mastermind group and I'm the only one talking about sex. So I, I kind of focus instead of like the intimacy and relationship coach, I'm doing a sex educator coach, you know, so, cause I do want people to get over the fact of, you know, sex is a good thing. It's pleasurable. It's not taboo, you know, cause I see the dancing around when it just comes, Oh, we'll say intimacy and relationships. No, God damn it. It's sex. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's pleasure. And the mere fact that some people still at, 30, 40, 50 can't even say the word. I was like, yeah. oh my God, th there's a lot more work to be done here. And, so and, much work. <laughs> yeah. And we teach so much that sometimes we forget not everybody has attended our class. So when we say things, it's like, okay, backtrack. I got to explain it. It's like, well, you're vanilla. It's like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, great. So mm -hmm. we put the disclaimer in our class that we relate everything to food. You know, he's Italian, I'm Mexican. It's all about food. And that's how <laughs> people could understand the conversation about sex and not feel uncomfortable. There you go. Great way to put it. Context to food. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves universal. Another universal. <laughs> Say that again. I said it, it leads to a lot more takeout lately. <laughs> if only, right? <laughs> oh, yes. All right, let's talk about the five building blocks because I love how you have it set up in the book that you even put like a little quick description of what each building block is meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was inspired by... I mean, any conversation I have, even with my, my partner who is not a native English speaker, um, it's always helpful to define your terms. And so um, having that at the beginning of the chapter helps to sort of lay out, at least in my mind, lay out, okay, what are we going to talk about here? And how does this really apply and, and all that? So um, I tried to find a, a quote too. So I've, you probably noticed the quotes at the beginning. They, they all tie back to... Um, that part was actually kind of fun because that's another piece that um, as I was putting the book together, I would stumble upon quotes and, you know, four or five years ago, Instagram used to be lots of quotes, right? Mm -hmm. Less stories and more like interesting quotes that you could share. And I have two books on the bookshelf back there. Um, back, well, nobody can see it. <laughs> but um they're all, they're all full of quotes about sex. And uh, so some of those I'd pull out and, and then others I would just find elsewhere. And so, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It ended up being a lot of fun putting a book together. Oh yeah, totally there. It's like, yeah, the one quote I really liked was the, um, what do you call it? Uh, Fred Rogers um, talk at the Senate. Senate about mental Maybe. health. Yeah. And, and that Maybe. was like, yeah, you know, if we had mental health, we wouldn't be in the situation we are right now, but that's okay. That's just my yeah. opinion. Well, in addition to that, you know, we, yeah, we wouldn't be in the same position we are in now, but I'm, I'm becoming more of the mind to want to push for sex to be dealt with in schools, no differently than math and science. Um, because it's, you know, it's something that, um, People deserve to know factual information, um, giving people information that doesn't, it, it's not true is like, we would never do that with math or science. We would never allow 
um, I don't know, integers to be taught some other way or multiplication tables because, you know, we don't believe that they're true. Um, you know, this is, this is not a piece. I mean, I, I understand why parents want to, uh, it's not even, it's, they think it's protecting, right? Yes. Yes. But, um, you know, I, I, I kind of understand it, but if they really dove into understanding sexuality, what people do sexually and how they think and feel about it and how important it is just for health, like removing the word sex from sexual health and just calling it health because it's health, health and wellness. And you know, how important that is. I actually just posted a blog post right before we jumped on the, on the call here um, talking about how I talk to my kids about STI testing. You know, I, I included in the book, right? Page 62 is what I just put in the blog post. But um, you know, if it's not a sexual thing, it's a health thing. Mm-hmm. And there's every reason to encourage my kids to, if they're going to be dating, this is something that's part of dating. You know, you have to know what your status is. You have to know how to be able to communicate it. Uh, and, you know, same thing with genital self-exams. So there's, yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to this topic and I think it should be treated like a science. Well, it, it definitely should be. Um, one of the things I'm always amazed about is when you talk about STDs, the shame that's associated with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. from your doctor. Oh, God. Don't oh. Yeah. Yeah, we had to switch doctors because one shamed us and we're like, F you, we're out. But you've never heard a doctor go, oh, you have cancer. What did you do? You you know, it's, oh, you have an STI. You know, you must have been wild or something. It's like, why is there shame around a particular disease? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it's interesting. I have a friend who um, had been communicating with somebody for like, five years and finally they're both single and now it's in, you know, COVID has happened and they ran into each other at the grocery store and they could just feel this electricity in the air. Right. So one, you know, post COVID when we can finally go outside, everyone's going to (laughs) be buy some stock in condom companies, I would guess. (laughs) (laughs) And all that. Did you see the Saturday night live skit about dating after COVID? No, I didn't. Oh my God. You got to check it out. Okay. I need to see it. They were making fun of Disney's Anna. Remember, like they were locked up and then the first guy she got, you know, she married. So that was the premise that they did on SNL. They're like, okay, well, here's this guy who's homeless. I don't care. I'll date him. It's like, well, here's this other guy. I don't care how he looks. I'll just take him. It's just like, hey, he has a pulse. That's fine. You know, <laughs> it was that well, ridiculous. It, it was interesting though, because um, my friend, after having run into him, they were, they started sexting each other and the conversation they had about like, when's the last time you saw someone just like the, you know, like the check-in, how, how often are you um, keeping yourself quarantined? Like what's your, what's your uh, ring of, or sphere of it? Like, what is the word? Um, Like how many people have you seen? Like, do you have people visiting you? Do you visit other people? Right. That kind of conversation. I was like, this is a great opportunity to add on to that with the, STI stuff, right? Yeah. When was the last time you got tested? You know, even pre-COVID. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So maybe people are learning uh, to talk about things that are a little taboo, right? Because the if you get COVID, people get kind of scared of that, right? 
I still think the funniest question I've been asked is, can I catch it through sex if I'm wearing a mask? And I'm like, <sighs> okay, I know you've been locked up for eight or nine weeks. It's wearing thin on you, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I thought it was the oral one. It's like, yeah, you can't catch it if you're just doing oral in a glory hole. <laughs> These are the questions we're getting. I don't know if you're getting the same line. If people are asking them, they're valid questions. I know. People still need to get their intimacy. Yeah. Still need to get their their touch in. They're just trying yeah. to figure out work the around. loophole. What's the loophole? COVID hacks. The loophole, yeah. COVID hacks. <laughs> Is that the next one? I suppose. <laughs> it sounds like a good one. You might have to hit that one. <laughs> COVID hacks. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back. Hey, John. I want to get a new toy. Okay. So let's go to Fair Villa. But I don't want to waste time trying to find out what goes with what. Well, there's Fair Villa University and their staff is very well educated and helpful. Okay. But how about if I just want to go to a party instead? Then go to their website, because on their calendar they list all their events. But I don't want to spend a lot of money. Have you heard of their loyalty program? Oh yeah, that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush every time they see it. That's the one. Let's go! Well, they have over five locations in Central Florida. Which one do you want to go to? Fair, Fair Villa. Villa. For, For pleasure, fun, and fantasy. And we're back, and we're talking to... The Mama Sutra Linnea St. John here about her new book, Read Me, The Parental Primer for the Talk. And the talk has always been an uncomfortable subject for everyone. My talk was really, really uncomfortable for my parents. So tell me, um, how, wow, I totally blew that one. Okay, so we, I started really okay. smooth, and then my mind just went blank. <laughs> it's all good. So I, I will transition in. So being uncomfortable, I love the governor of the state of Tennessee signed into law a bill that prohibits teachers from talking about these so-called gateway sexual activities. I lost my shit when I said it's like kissing, holding hands, general touching, right. you know, when teaching sex education in Tennessee schools. So if I touched your hand, I'm in, you know, it, it's a gateway for sexual activities. Yeah. Just the idea that one has to lead to the other, right? Um, cuddles and hugs, for example. Um, I was talking to somebody recently, a parent of, I think it was five boys. And the idea that, you know, cuddling or pleasure, the, the building block in the book, pleasure, that hugs could be non-sexual. I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, (laughs) they are (laughs) non-sexual. They don't have to lead to sex, right? But there are so many people who think that if you start hugging, that it's just going to gateway into, (laughs) you know, the acts of sex, which is really interesting. And sometimes you just need that, you know, just that human touch, human intimacy without the penetration. And that's one thing I don't understand why people automatically assume as soon as you say sex or sexuality, it is penetration. Yeah. There's so much more to it. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, I wonder how much of it has to do with 
movies, right? Like if you see a couple starting to embrace and then it just like clothes off, blah, 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 right? <laughs> clothes come off, everyone falls into bed or pushes everything off the counter or the desk and starts having sex right there, right? Like how much of that is, you know, just sort of feeding these ideas that, you know, you start something, you're going to have to finish it. <laughs> or, you know, come on, let's go back to the early days of soap operas there that you yeah, exactly. see a couple, you know, together hugging, kissing, and next thing you know, you scream, they're in the bedroom, and then you're like, but what happened in between? What's what going on? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a good we, example. You know, that's where we're trying to fill in the blank. It's like, where's the negotiation? Where's the consent? What was the desire? Mm -hmm. I mean, what was your intention? You know, yeah. going into all that, that we kind of teach as instructors, but it's mm -hmm. like, no one has de yeah. what, debunked those theories of what happens well, in between. Yeah. It's the black Or even page. depicted it. Yeah. What I know yeah. is up until being a teenager and finding out from mostly friends in movies, sex was a complete mystery. Mm-hmm growing up and a lot of it is from the movies of the fact that um, most of them have that, that that same thing where you're leading up to it people are kissing okay this looks interesting fade to black they're getting up in the morning and now someone's mad because something bad happened I don't know what happened here mm -hmm. and, and it leads to confusion yeah and I think yeah. part of that is is what leads to the talk being very awful with our parents because then we're like okay what well, explain to me what happened and of course most parents are a little uncomfortable talking to their kids about sex. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it was my favorite thing, but we did it. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> well, I think that's where the book can be helpful is that I tried to, in creating the, the framework with these five building blocks, I tried to take the pressure off of having conversations about penises and vaginas and put the emphasis on these five building blocks. Because if you look at them, the five building blocks don't really have anything to do with penises or vaginas or who does what or what goes where, but they're all, you know, basic concepts that kind of build on each other to help you have a healthy adult sexuality, right? Communication, key, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> In all ways. <laughs> um, consent, you know, and even that, you know, I originally wrote the book four years ago. Yes. And it took two years. I had an agent that wasn't able to place it in any of these big you know, New York publishing houses. Um, and then that last year was just me self-publishing, you know, doing all the, getting all, everything taken care of that is done in publishing a book. And, uh, you know, talking about consent four years ago was still, it's still pretty edgy, right? Yeah. And I think now we've had Me Too mm -hmm. and a lot of things that have happened that have really helped us articulate why consent is important. So then you have respect, you know, respect for self and, and others. You have pleasure. We talked a little bit about that in fantasy as well. So each of these things are concepts that, you know, you can talk about if you're two years old or, you know, the say if you're teaching kids about boundaries and agency and autonomy of their body when they're two, it'll be easier for them when they're 12 you know, and interacting with middle school kids, <laughs> peers, and also when they're 22, if they, you know, they're now they're off at college or living on their own and, you know, there's, there's lots of things that can happen out there. 
Oh, absolutely there. That, that's the insanity of not being prepared because it's like we always tell people, it's like, you know, we teach our kids about math, science, driving responsibilities, but there's nowhere, even if you do do the sex education, about how to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. Because some of our media or television personalities, it's like, how is that healthy? I mean, yeah. and my, my favorite is married with children. How dysfunctional was that family? And, <laughs> and then you go all the way back to the 1950s with Leave it to Beaver. It's like, wait, uh, is that a reality or not? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And with that, you have at least what I think has contributed to hookup culture Mm-hmm. is if you just teach about sex and you don't talk about all the stuff that has to lead up to the sex, then of course people aren't going to really understand how to get from A to B, right? There's, they're basically going from A to Z and there's been a whole lot of stuff in the middle that <laughs> they completely well, miss. And, yeah, and exactly. it's the fun part of it too, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All that stuff is really rich if you're able to uh, absorb it learn it when you're young. Um, I think at least with my kids, we've, I've been seeing these seeds that I planted for them years ago with, you know, even before I wrote the book and seeing how it shows up now. Right. Um, my kids have been through owl. They've been through my teaching them on a day-to-day basis, all about sexuality. And this was the thing that my daughter said she gave me permission to talk about. Um, She and I were talking about, I don't even remember how the conversation started, but she said, you know, when I have sex, I want to be able to find somebody that I can be comfortable with. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting. Tell me more. And she said, well, I get the sense that sex is awkward. And I want to find somebody that I can be completely awkward with. I was just floored (laughs) because, you know, I was not that kid. No. I didn't get any education like that. So that thought process was not there for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't put any importance or even any knowledge on, you know, who I would select why I would select them, right? <laughs> I've made some really stupid decisions. Oh, come on, we all have. <laughs> when I was in my, you know, in my 20s for sure, and it was um, was really kind of an eye-opening moment for me and just made the point even stronger, you know, all the statistics that say kids that know about sex aren't the ones that go out and do it. You know, they, they're more likely to use a condom. They're more likely to, to wait um, yeah, so it's, it's, like I said, I'm, I'm seeing those seeds that planted years ago, starting to, starting to come up in ways I would not have expected. Good ways. I know they sometimes surprise us because you think they don't listen to us, but then they and turn around yeah. and say things like that. I'm like, Oh, so you did listen yeah. and you did take notes, yeah. but you're still making me feel like I did a bad parenting job. <laughs> evil child here but you know but that's a good thing there because I know growing up it was like don't ever date a guy because they only want to have sex um Mm -hmm. you only have sex when you get married and I'm like Mm -hmm. okay but what happens if I didn't have sex how am I supposed to know what to do on the wedding night you know it's like lights on lights off what you know yeah it's very challenging and then even to have even that 
um, permission to tell my partner, hey, I like this, or can you stop and do that? Because it will ruin the mood because that's what we learn not to yeah. say anything or speak up. And that's, what's been great the last couple of years with a lot of the conversations and the me too, that we are learning to speak up and be vocal on mm -hmm. what we like, you know, even, you know, self care, masturbation, you know, during national masturbation month and also mental health awareness month. It, it mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't see that as funny. I say, Hey, they go hand in hand, you know, yeah. you have an orgasm, then you're mentally healthy. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly does help. <laughs> yeah. Helps to relieve all that stress that we're feeling in, in COVID in quarantine. Right. Absolutely. So let me ask you, uh, when you wrote this, who's, who should be reading this book? Because I know yeah. it is the, the primer for the talk. And most yeah. people think, okay, the talk, depending on where you're from, is somewhere between 12 and 18, depending on how in the cloud you are. Yeah. But who should be reading it? Because we always say sex ed should begin as early as two. Yep. To an yeah. extent. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because when I look at the audience that does pay attention to what I say or what I write or whatever, they're usually kids that already have, um, or they're usually people that have kids that are already in school. Mm -hmm. So I do find some toddlers and preschoolers, but mostly kindergarten up through young adult. Um, but I've also noticed in the reviews, when I read the reviews on Amazon and elsewhere, I'm noticing a lot of people who don't have kids have read my book and gotten a lot out of it. Because it's, it's not just a book that is for parents. I think it's also a book that has a lot to say about how we learned what we learned mm -hmm. and maybe even begin to question, you know, who was that for? Who were those lessons? Who were those messages, the, those false messages? Who were they for? You know, and to be fair, my parents probably got a lot of shame when they were you know, or the messages they got were all about shameful sex or sex is dangerous and things like that, because it probably was, you know, <laughs> if you, if you're not talking about it back then, yeah, there's probably a lot of stuff that our parents and, and grandparents had to put up with or endure. And so they didn't, they didn't know, they didn't know what to say, but now we do have resources out there who can help. Um, so I guess it's, the book is really for anybody who wants to maybe unlearn the bad messages about sex that they've absorbed. And there's a lot of it throughout several yeah. generations, cultural, religious. I mean, yeah. we have seen it and heard it all, you know, yeah. in regards to what makes sex uncomfortable for them. I believe and, it. And also, I think it's so helpful for people who've gone through trauma to, to even set the foundations for them to understand that this is the healthier way, what you experience. Yes, it was bad, but it is repairable. So you can still have a healthy you know, relationship there. And that pleasure is not bad. Fantasies are not bad. You know, yeah. We always say it ignites a conversation gets you yeah. new ideas. I mean, you could fulfill them or not, but at least it gets you, gets the motor running. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> gets it lubed up at least. <laughs> Always use lube. It, it gets the mind going. And yeah. the joke, you know, the, the, we've all heard the term, the mind is the biggest sex organ. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I, I find people, when you say that to them, they kind of give you a weird look. But then I'm like, can you have great sex when you're worried about maybe losing your job? Well, no, I'm worried about that. Or can you have great sex when you're worried, you know, that your in-laws are going to go knocking at the door? Well, of course not. Well, it's, it just reinforces that, that your mind has to be there first before the rest of it's going to follow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and speaking of your mind has to be there, um, there was something that came up this week in a conversation with a parent who was asking, you know, how to handle it when they get caught in the act with, you know, their kids walk in. And I, the word that struck me or that stuck out to me this time, for whatever reason, it was this particular time was about the word caught, right? If, if most parents, you know, most of the vanilla parents like to say, I mean, I know I certainly did when I, when I first started out was that, you know, when two people love each other, sex is something people do when two people love each other, but then out of the same mouth, there's somebody who's like, oh my God. And they're like grabbing the covers and covering themselves up and so feeling, acting like they're ashamed or embarrassed or need to hide this thing that two people who love each other are supposed to do. Right. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, yes. Yeah. Very confusing message for a child. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that we use words like caught because if you break it down, you aren't doing anything wrong. Nope. Right? <laughs> so just notice even the language that we use around things like that. It's, it's remarkable to me. Oh, absolutely. That's one thing I noticed throughout the book. It's like know your terms, your terminology, how you're saying things, even your explanation about sexuality, what it really means, because Everyone does get confused on the word of sexuality, sexual intimacy, you know, sexual wellness. It's like, what does all mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, the next thing I'm working on here, I have, um, the thing I think is the most interesting is the more I study sex, the less sex is about sex. Like, (laughs) like, you know, I think what I see is you know, people are seeking something, right? Mm-hmm. They're seeking something and, and identifying what those things are so that you can get that and then be able to have that connection with your partner, right? So, so yeah, it's, it's been interesting to, to really dive into this field. And yeah, communication is bigger than I would have expected, you know? And that's something that just, I didn't learn about any of the stuff relating to communicate, communicating with my partner about, you know, what I wanted and what I expect in a relationship or future goals and things like that. Right. Right. You know, setting the intentions, what we want. I mean, we were raised, you know, children are meant to be seen, not heard. Oh God. Um, I do. Yeah. I grew up with that. <laughs> yep. So that way we, we just kind of continue on in adulthood, not speaking either. Yeah. And that's how dangerous that is. We silence others. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Yikes. That's true. That's true. To an extent, we all carry parts of our parents and our upbringing with us. And it takes a lot of, and I love the word unlearning to make your knee jerk reaction, something else. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, pause. 
not using the word I got caught when we're talking about sex because it's, it's what we've heard for our entire life. And then be all shameful and bashful. It was like, Oh my God, you know, it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, own it, own it. You guys did it. You know, this is what you taught and you just spin it and say, well, you know, this is our private time. And this is, we're showing love to each other as adults, not, you know, to kids. So, well, but even then, Kids, if they're walking in on you, like let's say it's the middle of the night mm-hmm. and um, you're doing your thing <laughs> and uh, the kid knocks on the door or doesn't even knock, just comes in. Oh, they never knock. Right. They never knock. Um, but it's less about what you're doing because like, they're probably not, eh, they might be coming in because they heard a noise and maybe it was your bed squeaking or something, but chances are it could be they had a bad dream or they need a drink of water or they have to go to the bathroom. Right. And so there's, there's a lot of things that could be playing into why they came to you in the first place. And so, you know, just stopping, dismounting, I'd be like, I noticed you're here and not in your bed. Are you okay? Do you need anything? You know, do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need to, uh, did, did you have a bad dream? Just like checking in with them, making the fact that you were having sex a complete non-issue, like not even, not even addressing it unless they ask, right? Like we don't, we do this thing where we need to maybe offer information about something that they're not even questioning. <laughs> they might not, you know, they might not have even noticed, right? You might have been in a weird position, but okay, you know? Yes, but right away, right, right, we sound like, you know, someone out of a sitcom. Nothing's over here. Don't look over here. Nothing's yeah. over here. And that's when the kid goes, no, what's over there? What's over there? Yeah, exactly. yeah. If you act as nonchalant as you're putting it, you're right, the kids won't notice because not you're not putting the focus on it. Yeah, like, well, how, you're here. What's, what's up? What do you need? You know, and like make it just a total non-issue. And there's, okay, well, it's all about me. Pay attention to me. Okay, I'm, I'm, I had a bad dream, you know, they're not going to notice. You could even like dismount and just grab a robe and deal with it. But yeah, I just, we don't have to be as ashamed as we, as we're programmed to be. Yeah. Which makes it interesting because oftentimes I do see parents overthinking and over communicating something that the kid was just looking for a black and white answer, either yes or no, or this is what happened, not this yeah. long dictionary experience of yeah. what's going on. And that's just because as parents, we overthink and complicate the situation yeah. when they're just simple little mind children learning and growing and sponging up, but we just kind of over dump, I guess, the information. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a brain dump. Yeah. I, you know, that reminds me there, there was a story I used to tell um, really early days of studying sexuality and talking to parents. And one parent pointed out that when her son asked, where did he come from? She went into a whole long story about like the birds and the bees and (laughs) babies and how they're born. And he's like, oh, that was really interesting because, you know, so-and-so said they came from such and such hospital. (laughs) That would work too. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd I come from? You came from the hospital. (laughs) I mean, it's not really given the whole information, but I mean, getting context and getting, you know, asking a deeper question, tell me what you, tell me why you're asking, you know, where does this, you know, kind of buying yourself some time at the same time and you'll get to see like, yeah, the answer that you were looking for was something totally different. And you know, yeah. that, that is true. Kids are curious, but it's to a point Yeah. because um, 
I had a, a nephew ask me like, you know, I want cookies. Well, I have to cook cookies. Well, what does that mean? Well, okay, I have to. I need the oven. I do this. That. I started talking, and he's like, I see the eyes glaze over. Like, I, I just want a cookie. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it'll take 40 minutes. You get the cookie. Yeah. So I'm assuming in a lot of ways, depending on the age, it's the same thing about sex or that question, where do I come from? Yeah. You don't need to go into a dissertation. It's exactly. Born in a hospital. Everything worked out. You're here. <laughs> as long as it's not the stork story, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Like, where did tell the me, birds come in on this? Why are there birds? Tell me about the time you went to the hospital and got me, mommy, or whatever. You're right. Like yeah, then I could exactly. be a little oh, okay. Then you're 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 more interested here in something a little deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right, though. It do, it does become a dissertation for for folks. And the one thing I always tried to do with my kids was come up with an answer that was, you know, simple for their age, right? To answer their question without going into a dissertation and to try to do it as best I could in, in one sentence and then be prepared for wherever that goes <laughs> after that. Because they would, sometimes they would ask a question that was expected. And then other times the follow-up was, you know, was completely different than what I would have expected. I think I might've written a, one of, one of them in the book. Um, or else it's a blog that I wrote that I didn't put in the book, but my daughter <laughs> asked me one time, uh, how do you have sex and not get pregnant? Like, <laughs> okay. that was an interesting question because, you know, most conversations around sex lead to pregnancy, right? So, like, it was, it was interesting at least that she, she understood that you could do this thing and not get pregnant. And so then it became a conversation about, you know, masturbation. Right. So, so yeah, you never know where they're going to go with it, but yeah, if you just get curious about what they, what they're looking for, what they want to know, you can give them the answer or give them, give them an answer that will satisfy what they need at that time. Exactly. And then try to find like teachable moments because I know you, you talked about the JLo song and how yeah. you were discussing the lyrics. And I'm like thinking, all, like I'm a Disney fanatic and how many adult references are in several Disney movies and also yeah. uh, other animated movies that you're just yeah. like, ah, you catch it as an adult, but as kids, they, they don't see yeah, it. Don't get that. Of course There's not. There's lots of stuff as kids were exposed to that the, you know, the parents see the sexuality on it. We don't. And, and for me, we're going way back. And I'm going to date myself. Like a Virgin just came out. I'm so, right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember um, we were going to school and another uh, parent drove us this time. And the moment the song came on, she not only shut off, she punched the radio to shut it off. And I, it was violent enough that as a kid, I'm looking, I'm like, okay, something really wrong that happened that pissed her off. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. And remember, mm -hmm. audience, John has 12 years of Catholic school. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes, I do. <laughs> But when it was, you know, years later, I heard it and I'm still listening to the song for a while, but the lyrics still didn't click. And I got to say, it wasn't even until years later. So I guess when I heard the song, what are we talking about? 1980 is when yeah, she first started. Yeah. So I was about seven. Um, it took a lot. Anyway, when, when the lyrics finally clicked, so many years later, five, six, seven years later, it was like, oh, crap, that's what was going on in that car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing with Little Red Corvette and, oh gosh, what are some of these others that uh, 
Almost uh, any print. ACDC? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, how about the milkshake? The milkshake brings the voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so this used to be a question that I asked the students in my college classes. The very first, first or one of the first two days, we would brainstorm all the different sources we got our sex ed. And so they would, they would throw out specific songs, right? Like some of the ones that we're talking about, these were the places that they learned their sex ed or they learned about sex. And then I would ask the follow-up question. Okay. So these, this is where you've got your sex ed. Where do you, where would have you wanted, you know, where, how do I word that? <laughs> uh, where would you have wanted to learn about sex? Who, like what, from what source? And it surprised me the first time it happened, but you know, one of the students right away, first thing was parents. And I sort of thought that was a fluke, right? That that would be the first, because they came up with some other ideas too. And um, the next semester, the same thing. Parents was the first thing that came up. And so, you know, it just, to me, it sort of underscored how important a book like this is because parents are their child's first sex educator, right? They do want to know from us. And to be fair, not all of us got good information, got, you know, we're educated at all. I, I, I really think my mom opted out of sex ed in high school for me. Like, I don't remember getting sex ed in high school. I know I had it in junior high in sixth grade where we had the talk about periods. And I think we were even like gender split. Like, I don't remember boys being in that auditorium when they had that conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's still in, in this time and age, um, the gender split too. And I'm like, yeah. really yeah. compared to what's going on on TV? Why are you splitting the kids? Yeah. I don't get that either. I mean, some point in their life, they're going to interact with people who are of, you know, <laughs> not of their gender <laughs> and going to need to understand what that person's going through. Right. It's kind of like a cross-cultural study. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. But it's important, right? It's just as important as cross-cultural studies are. So, yeah. It is, and I'm glad you made the point in the book that this is not just, you know, heterosexual, normative, you know, sex ed. It's, it's for everybody because there's a diversity of genders and identities. Yeah. So people yeah. just don't start, well, this was not non-gender conforming. I don't know, all the people who bitch about the damn vocabulary of yeah. other things, because I've been chewed out one too many times because I was, I know, but still, I like to <laughs> reiterate the fact that, you know, we try our very best as educators yeah. to be gender inclusive. Yeah. And we can't always be perfect, mm -mm. you know, and, and it, it's what we were talking about earlier, silencing others, right? If we jump on people when they're really trying it doesn't help them it doesn't it doesn't help both sides really you know so i think yeah having a little bit of compassion for the work that people are trying to do and trying to educate others and i get it i get it it's, I it's, it, it feels icky when it happens oh yeah with everything that's going on in the world compassion i think there's more of now yes than there was eight weeks ago for all the the pain yeah. suffering and and hate to say death that has gone on, not to change the subject too much. Yeah. I think we may come out of this with a more compassionate society in a lot of ways. I hope, I hope so. I hope you're right. Definitely. So what's in the works for you upcoming so our listeners can follow and then where else they could find you? Yeah, actually just this morning, 
I sent out an email to my email list. I'm in the final stages of finishing the course. That's a deep dive into this book. Um, and so that's, that's what's coming next. Um, I sort of have two audiences in the Mama Sutra, at least on my, on my website. I have the parents and then I have the adults who are just learning about sex for themselves, right? Not necessarily to be able to communicate to their, to their kids, but who are just learning for themselves. And so we've, I've got some, some fun things brewing for that as well. Um, I have a freebie that I can offer to your audience, which okay. kind of ties into, I mean, it just, it wasn't on purpose, but it ties into the post that I posted today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I'm on a little bit of a rant or not, maybe not a rant, but on a mission soapbox mission. There you go. go. Um, to, to help people understand sexual health is health. Right. And so I put together a PDF, which is a, a guide for how to do a genital self-exam, whether you have a penis or a vulva. Ooh, that is well needed. Yeah. So different. I mean, it it doesn't, I don't think I have breasts in there. I think the Susan Komen foundation usually does a really fantastic job with that. I didn't touch that piece, but the genital self-exam used to be an assignment that I gave to my students when I taught it at CCSF. Um, It was always an optional assignment. Um, I had one student who was in her fifties. She, I taught when I taught at CCSF, I also had the working adult degree program. So students who were going back to school, they didn't finish their degree. And I, it was often women that were in this program, not always, but often. Um, and they may have gotten pregnant young, didn't finish school. So now the kids are grown up and they went back to school to study. And there was one time I gave this assignment. It was like one of my last semesters. And they always had a choice, what they could choose to do as this assignment. And one of the choices was the genital self-exam. And it was kind of the easiest. <laughs> you didn't have to like go to a, a lecture or, you know, review a book, anything like that. And so the student left this assignment for last, was really putting it off, just not, just big resistance to doing a genital self-exam. And when we finally turned everything in, she said, you know, she raised her hand and she said, Professor, I, I have to say, I hated the thought of doing this assignment. I was like, yeah, I can, under- I understand. It's not, it's a tough assignment. And she said, but when I was done, I, did, I, I loved it. She said, I went into my room, my bedroom, and I locked the door and I went into my bathroom and I locked the door. <laughs> And I sat down on the floor with my mirror and I named the parts. You know, I looked at the book to name the parts and where everything was. And she said it was the first time I looked at myself in that way. And I got to see how beautiful it was or how beautiful my vulva was. And, and it made me a little sad that I relied all those years on somebody else to tell me what I looked like whether it was beautiful or not. She's like, I got to see how beautiful it was. She said, by the end of doing that assignment, I had my underwear and I was whipping around up above my head. <laughs> <laughs> like a concert band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it just, you know, the way she said it, the class, you know, the class all like laughed along with her and she was just, she was so happy to have that experience. But think about that as, you know, a 50 something woman having never looked and, relying on others to, to 
know what's up down there. It's, um, yeah, I'm on a bit of a mission to help parents understand that doing a genital self-exam is not a sexual thing. It's not a sex act. It's a health thing. You know, heaven forbid there's a something to to you know deal with you know but if there is you at least know what's you know what it looks like and you can describe it to your doctor and use the language that is necessary and get it taken care of (laughs) that's awesome there so you have all that working up and then so where can our listeners find you yeah well you can find me everywhere on the internet as at the mama sutra so ampersand or that little and sorrow. What is that sign? At? Yeah, yeah, it's the at sign. <laughs> at sign. T-H-E-M-A-M-A-S-U-T-R-A. And it's um, www.themamasutra.net. Awesome. And where can they find the book? <laughs> you can find the book actually at any online book retailer. I think all the big ones are, are covered. Uh, you can get it in your local bookstore if you ask. You might have to they might have to order it for you, but they can get it. Um, so Book Indio for the indie bookstores, Amazon, Apple, Barnes & Noble. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere, thankfully. <laughs> thankfully is right because everyone needs that because you're right. It goes for parents you know, with children and then adults without. So it yeah. is very useful. I love those fine building blocks. But we've said that like three years ago when we first had you. That's why <laughs> exactly. I was glad. It's like, so excited. The child has been born. Exactly. It has been. My book, Baby. Yeah. Actually, you can get the book internationally even. On Amazon's website, you can get it in every one of their countries, but it's in English. Very cool. Eventually in Spanish. <laughs> you know, I wish. I, um, I would need to have more interest from Spanish-speaking communities. Oh, oh, you put it out there, they will buy it because they won't speak up and ask for it. That's one thing I've learned yeah. with the Spanish community that they won't ask for it. You just kind of have to slip it in and talk to them about it there. Yeah. Then, I, I had, a, I've had people ask me, um, yeah, I'll have to maybe talk to my, the book publisher that I'm working <laughs> with to, to talk about that. Cause I, I do have somebody who could do a translation for it. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of an expense though, that I wasn't prepared for <laughs> an additional expense. So I'd maybe have to figure out how to <laughs> pay for that. <laughs> Fundraising. I'm all exactly. about that. Fundraising. <laughs> it's been great talking to you. And catching up. having me. Yeah. Thank yes, it's been a while. Me. We haven't seen you in the conference in a while. But it, it, it's yeah, we've we, been busy. We need to make a California trip. Yes, we do. Yeah, I've I've moved within the Bay Area, so the weather where I am now is much sunnier, much drier. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm now down by San Jose. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's nice. That's a nice area over there. So. Yeah. I'm familiar with it. So, cause I used to travel every couple of years to California and visit friends in Los Angeles and then just go up and down the coast. Nice. Well, well, all my experience in California has been consulting trips. So I know the airports very well <laughs> and that's just about it. We took you to Disneyland. That is true. We broke the code. <laughs> nice. well, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> Thanks.